Exercise is the great fountain of youth. Exercise is the cure for diabetes, for hypertension or obesity. But a prominent neurosurgeon doesn't think it's quite so easy. Welcome to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. I'm joined today by Dr. Stephen Bearer, a prominent neurosurgeon, in his new book, Exercise Will Hurt You. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you. So how did you get interested in this topic? It uh, stemmed from the fact that uh, I am not a good exerciser. Um, I am not disciplined, and I just really don't like doing it. And, uh, That's a lot of work to write a book to, to get out of exercise. Well, over the years, exercising and playing sports, there's a lot in there about sports as well. Um, I have hurt myself innumerable times. And so as I uh, got older and tended to stretch and pull and, and hurt things more frequently, I decided I was going to just start to put my thoughts down on paper. I wrote an essay, kind mm -hmm. of, for myself, mm -hmm. um, justifying why mm -hmm. I, I didn't like exercising and why it was not, not a great thing. And it just grew from there. And in short order, it became a book. Um, I, you know, I see a lot of head injuries as part of my practice. And uh, over the last six, eight years or so, concussions have mushroomed all over the, um, uh, all over the news. And so that kind of came into it, too. And then it just continued to expand. So going back, you write about a, a Mr. Paul Bragg. Yes. Who was he? Uh, Paul Bragg um, was probably the founder or the father of the uh, nutrition industry. And um, at the turn of the century, he came up with the idea of something called natural foods and um, created a um, story about himself that had to do a lot with the fact that he was always very youthful despite his mm -hmm. advancing age. And, um, credited some of the natural foods that he uh, created and then and sold, marketed, and uh, became wealthy doing it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, probably most of his story was false and fabricated, <laughs> and uh, he was probably a lot younger than he stated that he was, and so the fact that he looked young in his advanced age was because he really was young, younger. Uh, but that uh, uh, was the origins of the health food industry, and I talk a little bit about where, where did this all come from? Where did sports um, and exercise uh, and the fact that it's such an integral part of our lifestyles. Where'd that come from? And, and that, that's, Paul Bragg was one of the uh, originators, not so much of exercise, but of uh, health foods. But so then he began Jack LaLanne and Charles Atlas. Well, I think they, uh, they, they, they came up simultaneously, more mm -hmm. in parallel than mm -hmm. in series. And um, uh, Charles Atlas and Jack LaLanne were among the or originators of exercise as uh, um, a significant component of our lifestyles mm -hmm. and how healthy it was for you. And I, I talk a lot to my generation. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a baby boomer, and uh, my generation was really the first one to incorporate exercise as part of our lifestyles. Uh, my parents' generation didn't do that. They didn't really need to. Uh, they had their lifestyle wasn't as mechanized and as um, uh, and as as, uh, as easy as ours was. They needed to work more, and they they were more physical just in their day-to-day -day routine. So as we uh, developed this sense that exercise was essential and brought it into our everyday life, uh, we forgot one thing. We got old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now that we're in our 60s, uh, we uh, aren't in our 20s and 30s anymore. Uh, but some of us forgot to change our exercise we style. Think we yeah. think we're in our 20s. Right. And so uh, <laughs> a lot of the book uh, talks about that, about dealing with how your life changes, how your body changes, and listening to your body and dealing with uh, the fact that you can't do it 50 and what you could do with 20. How big an industry is the, the sports and health industry? It's billions, 
billions of dollars. How many uh, billions do you think? Um, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to be sure the number is hard to glean. I uh, talk about it in the book, but it's uh, in hundreds of billions of dollars wow. a year. Um, and it's not just sports. It, it's, it's sports and exercise and the nutrition industry, I, I count that into it. And then there's all the peripherals. I mean, there's the clothing. Um, you know, there's um, the, uh, the diet fads that kind of go along with this. And um, all the marketing, all the gadgets, uh, especially nowadays with uh, all the um, digital gadgets that we do. You know, now you can wear a watch that tells you how healthy you are. Exactly. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's never ending. So, so I guess starting with talking about specific sports, how about just the simple overuse injuries? I go to the gym, I haven't been there for a while, and suddenly I'm aching on Monday. Yeah, I spent some time talking about muscle injuries and tendon and, and, and ligamentous injuries, and I talk a little bit about the medicine of that and the, uh, the, the kind of the, the pathophysiology, mm -hmm. what happens mm -hmm. when you stretch a muscle or you tear a tendon. And, but those are so common to every exercise and to every sports. I, I, you could write a book that's 5,000 pages long <laughs> just talking about that, and it would bore you to tears. So I talk a little bit about that in the beginning and then kind of say, well, that's not what this book is about. Yeah, that's out there, and, and you need to think about that, and that really is the thing that everybody has. That's why I say exercise will hurt you. I mean, I, I, if I am in a group of people and I say, do you exercise? They say, sure. Do you play sports? Yeah. Ever hurt yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's everybody. So how about starting off with just the simple kind of runners, that not the marathon runners, but right. just the simple runners. What, are, what have you found in your research or the problems with the, the day-in and day-out runner? I think the, the biggest issue is... Uh, Injuries that don't seem like injuries and are small and minor, and then you, don't, you ignore them. And you, or you assume they're part of the, the sport or you're, they're part of the exercise, that you have to have this pain, that you have to have this thing going on that kind of nags and doesn't ever necessarily go away. Well, those are fairly minor things, and if you treat them appropriately and you rest and you get over them, you'll heal quickly and you'll be fine, and then you can go back. The problem is, is when you don't pay attention to that and you say, okay, yeah, it hurts, and then the next day it hurts a little more. And ultimately, you've created a problem that's not so minor anymore. You could have a, a bigger problem. You know, a, a, a pulled muscle becomes a torn muscle. A stretched tendon becomes a torn tendon, um, uh, and that sort of thing. So I think, I think one of the, the takeaway messages I got from the book is really people listening to their bodies. Yeah. You know, that if something hurts, it's probably not, the right, yeah. probably not the right thing to be doing. I talk about the adaptive uh, uh, nature of pain and how it... Uh, it helps you understand your environment and uh, that it's a signal that something's wrong and you ought to listen to it. So I was shocked that you wrote that yoga is not kind of the, I thought yoga was kind of the, the perfect, you know, the perfect sport for people. But well, I, I, I put yoga in because it's known as a healing sport or a healing Activity. endeavor. Yeah. And it is. I mean, yoga has many, many positive aspects, as does all of exercise and sport. And by the way, nowhere in the book do I say exercise isn't good for you. Just on the What title. I say is it will, <laughs> it will hurt you. It will hurt you. Some things that are good for you yes, can hurt exactly. you. Exactly. Um, but yoga, uh, I talk about the fact that it has become so popular. And uh, as the um, activity has grown and more and more people get into it, you have uh, a lessening of the quality of the teachers. And that's a big deal. I mean, if you have a good teacher, uh, who knows you and knows some of your medical history, especially if you've had injuries or you have back problems or something like that, uh, you'll be able to participate safely. But as yoga um, places have sprung up all over the place, 
uh, I think that uh, the quality of the teachers has suffered somewhat because of the rapidity of the, of the, of the uh, expansion. And so people go into it um, and their teachers don't know them. And there's peer pressure. You know, the teacher says, do this, whatever this is. And you feel you have to do it because everyone around you is sure. doing it. And the fact that it's causing searing pain in your back, you figure, well, that's part of this. Part I, you know, I'll put up part with Part of this. the healing. Yes, exactly. But where I, I kind of um, go off a little bit on yoga is in some of the really bizarre kinds of stances, uh, especially those that require significant bending of the mm -hmm. neck and these odd postures that put a lot of pressure on the uh, blood vessels that run through our neck up to our brain, how you can ha damage those. And there have been some instances of strokes uh, participating in yoga. Now, it's not common. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not, if you go to a, to a not yoga ten, place, not 10 yeah, they say, look to your left, look people. to your right, yeah. one of you is going to have a yeah. stroke. It's not that. Okay. Okay. So, um, but, uh, yes, it, it's, it's few and far between. But uh, the purpose of the book really was to show you what's out there mm -hmm. and show you what can happen and to kind of make you think. It's a, uh, an attempt to uh, put a, um, uh, a caution on exercise. I uh, describe it as um, informed consent for the exerciser. Okay. You know, as a surgeon, when I talk <laughs> to someone about surgery, sure. I've got to spend a lot of time talking sure. about surgery, why I'm doing yeah. it, what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, when I bought my $4,000 um, trotter treadmill, no one told me how I could be hurt on it. <laughs> so that's in there. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Bearer with his new book, Exercise Will Hurt You. So certainly as a, as a neurosurgeon, probably concussions have become a big part of your practice over the last few years. It has, and that's a big part of the book as well. Um, that's the thing I see most commonly in my practice in terms of significant injuries, although I see a lot of spine problems mm -hmm. too from people who have overdone it over mm -hmm. the years. But concussions have become a huge problem. I, uh, I'm the director of the concussion program at uh, our hospital, Abington. And um, we see uh, uh, maybe six, eight, ten concussions a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, they uh, vary with the seasons. Um, in the summer, it's more recreational mm -hmm. kinds of things. During the school year, it's more scholastic uh, sports mm -hmm. injuries. Uh, but they have become... Uh, outed, so to speak, mm -hmm. as to the pernicious injuries that they can be. Uh, the days of the coach saying, um, run it off, and you know, run up and down the sidelines, and putting it back in the game in a few plays are over, thankfully. That, those were dangerous days. Um, and I talk a little bit about, about that. Um, uh, and it's not just the scholastic level. The more you play, the further, mm -hmm. further along you get, the more violent these mm -hmm. sports become. And the whole NFL issue with uh, concussions and long-term uh, traumatic brain injuries and the, the NFL lawsuit, uh, the players suit against the NFL. Uh, I touch on that in there as well. I was fascinated you wrote that in 1906 there were 19 college players who died yeah. playing football and I guess Teddy Roosevelt saved, yeah. saved collegiate football. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a little um, uh, counterintuitive because Teddy Roosevelt was known as being a, sports per, a sportsman mm -hmm. and, a, and an adventurer mm -hmm. and a, a hunter and mm -hmm. uh, you know, sports was a big deal mm -hmm. in his life in the life of his family. But um, the uh, uh, collegiate football uh, injuries were becoming kind of intolerable. And um, he uh, was instrumental in getting um, uh, 
regulations um, and, and laws set, and out of that work came the NCAA, ultimately. I mean, it was called something else in the beginning. I have to forget now what it was, but a few years after that organization developed, it then became the NC2A. So chronic traumatic encephalopathy is, is kind of bandied about yeah. now with, with NFL and head injuries. Is this just something for professional athletes you know, who've, who've elected to be professional football players, or is this something for our collegiate athletes, our high school athletes? Yeah, it's at all levels, although I have to caution you, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, those very extensive changes in the brain that are seen uh, long-term after multiple head injuries, the relationship uh, between multiple injuries and chronic traumatic encephalopathy is pretty well set. But what that means, what chronic traumatic encephalopathy means to the individual, still a little bit unknown. The, it's being blamed for uh, the early dementia that mm -hmm. we see in many of the professional athletes, in the um, uh, suicides that have happened, not only in, in, in professional athletes, Junior Seau was mm -hmm. one of them. Uh, he had chronic traumatic encephalopathy mm -hmm. on, on autopsy. Uh, but there are a variety of college students who have committed suicide who are football players who didn't really have mm -hmm. the same multiple head injury history that the professional uh, athletes have. So. Um, but there certainly is a growing body of suspicion, and ultimately, I think, will be linked that multiple minor head injuries produce a serious set of events that lead to CTE that can cause dementia and depression and, and, and that sort of thing. So is this different than boxers? No. I mean, boxing dementia has been around for a long time. It's called being punch drunk. And mm -hmm. if you look at the boxing movies from the 30s and 40s, they, they talk about mm -hmm. it. And there's always the guy... Uh, at ringside, who's kind of the guy who becomes the janitor sure. uh, because there's not much else he can do anymore. And, um, and we've seen that too. Uh, the, um, uh, Muhammad Ali, his uh, Parkinson's disease is, is probably head injury related. There is an entity called pugilistic Parkinson's mm -hmm. disease. That's been, again, that's, a, that's an old term like, that dates back 100 years. Uh, so there's um, been a long known association between boxing and severe brain malfunctions in relatively young people. If you look at most of the professional boxers, even who are alive today, many of them are demented. So is the answer to football just better helmets? No, because, um, well, that's part of it. I shouldn't say no. Um, there's a whole variety of things that can mm -hmm. be done. Probably rule changes are as important as any, and you're seeing that um, in scholastic um, uh, football, they're trying to teach kids to keep their heads up. Mm -hmm. don't, don't put them down, don't headbutt, don't spear. Um, certainly in professional football, head-to-head, helmet-to-helmet contact has been outlawed, even though it probably happens mm -hmm. four times a game at least. But um, by and large, it's accidental, but um, uh, it, they're trying to get rid of that aspect of the contact. Better helmets, I think, will help. I talk about the physics of head injury, and the problem is that where you, you have to put the helmet on the brain, not mm -hmm. on the head. You have to somehow cushion the brain inside yeah. the skull, and I'm not sure there's I'm any sure way that's, of, available, uh, that's yeah. available just yet. <laughs> you know, you know, I guess you could pump in some kind of uh, foam yeah. into, the, into, the, into the brain cavity, but I, I don't think many people would volunteer for that. They have, they have, dealt, they have, they have worked with uh, helmet design. Mm -hmm. um, there are helmets out there that um, are experimental that have sensors in them that can measure the amount of force applied to the head in any given contact mm -hmm. that can be monitored um, on the sideline, and uh, you can say that that person took a dangerous mm -hmm. hit. And even if they're not wobbling around mm -hmm. out on the field, you might say that patient, that, that uh, player, mm -hmm. should come out for a, a couple of uh, plays. But 
that technology is exceedingly expensive and very few people can afford it and most places uh, won't be able to use it. It's just too expensive, maybe in the NFL, but even so. Uh, that's not gonna prevent head injuries. The problem is you can, if the, if the head is moving through space and suddenly stops, the brain is gonna rattle around inside the skull and that's where the injury occurs. There's no way to, to prevent that other than to prevent the strike to the head. So how about our marathoners and triathletes? You know, yep. are, 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 they, are they in a pickle too? Well, not so much from head injury, unless they fall down <laughs> a lot. But uh, they certainly wear out their, their joints, their legs and their, um, uh, their knees, their hips. Um, and uh, I talk a little bit about ultra marathoners. Um, I use a, um, uh, a, um, an event in um, uh, Scandinavia where mm -hmm. they, they ski. Um, it's a two-day skiing event. And many of the people who train for that who are uh, long-term uh, extreme athletes, um, and many of them are showing evidence of uh, hypertrophic heart disease. Their heart muscle mm -hmm. gets too thick. And um, there's a point, I think, where aerobic exercise is good for your heart, and then you, you, pay, you, you come over a hump on the graph and you start to go down in terms of its, um, its, its salutatory effects, and it starts to negatively affect your heart. And I, I put in, uh, in the book some research that's actually done in rats, mm -hmm. where they're exercised and uh, uh, some of the changes that are seen in their hearts. So it may be that extreme exercise, um, in addition to the effect on the bones and the joints and your back and that sort of thing, um, uh, it can have some cardiovascular effects that are not necessarily that good for you. So in finishing up and having all this research done, yeah. and you wrote exercise will hurt you, mm -hmm. and, but I'm trying to advise my patients yeah. to, to lose weight and help their diabetes and hypertension. What would you recommend to a patient who doesn't want to kind of be coming into the doctor's hurt all the time, but really wants some of the, the better effects that they're going to get from exercise? Well, I tell them that every time they get the urge to exercise, they should lie down until the urge goes away. <laughs> and then they laugh a little bit, and then I tell them what I really do. And uh, I, I think you should exercise as much as you want to exercise, but you should listen to your body. And if you are injured, or if you're having problems, or if you're having pain, if something isn't right, deal with it. Don't let it go. Don't ignore it. Don't work your way through it. Don't exercise through it, because that will probably make it worse. And uh, uh, get better and then go back to doing whatever you want to do. And I don't have any problems you know, with exercise. Like I said, nowhere do I say exercise mm -hmm. isn't good for you. And I wish I could do it, but I wish I was more disciplined. Yeah. I wish I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like exercising. But um, I do it anyway, because I don't want to you know, be too sedentary. Um, and so I struggle through it. I don't, I'm not a maniacal exerciser. I have a rowing machine at home and I put it on the TV and I get in front of it. And <laughs> exercise until a little I, bit until my until my muscles hurt and <laughs> okay. I say all right I'm done so listen to your body find listen something body. that you like and Dr. Barrow thank you for being on the show my pleasure this is Dr. John Russell for more information on this podcast or others in the series please visit reachmd.com slash book club thanks for listening